Good morning and welcome. Thank you so much for being with us. My name is Craig. I am the senior pastor here and it is our privilege to have you with us on this beautiful Sunday morning. We are continuing our pattern of keeping me out of the pulpit for a few more weeks so that y'all can hear good preaching. So that's what we're aiming for. Uh, of course, we've uh, been blessed already over the past few weeks. Pastor Kevin preached, and then last week, Greg and Stephen each preached and did a wonderful job. And today, um, uh, dear friend Dr. Don Wilton is here with us this morning. Uh, Dr. Wilton is uh, his favorite thing is a husband and a father, but beyond that, he was 30 years the pastor at First Baptist Church of Spartanburg, which is where I know him uh, from Spartanburg, have been able to just look upon his ministry over all these years and be grateful for his gospel witness in that one place. Uh, maybe his greatest claim to fame is that uh, Dr. Wilton was Dr. Billy Graham's pastor for a number of years and dear friend. But more than anything, he's a man that loves Jesus and loves the, the good news of the gospel. And so we know today that beyond all else that he will preach to us about the things that matter most. So Dr. Wilton, thank you so much for being with us. May God bless you. Thank you, brother. Wow. Well, hello, everyone. It's just absolutely lovely being here in Camden, South Carolina. I live up north of the Mason-Dixon line and uh, up there in Spartanburg, Sparkle City. And uh, I've got a confession to make. I have tried and tried. I, I just cannot get your pastor how to talk properly. Um, and... Uh, he has this brogue, you know, and uh, even coming from up in that part of the country, and I love Brother Craig. What a, what a wonderful brother and friend and pastor, preacher and teacher of the Word of God, and his beautiful family, man. Just, uh, I treasure them and I treasure you, and I'm so happy to be here today and be with each one of you here in this beautiful church. What a magnificent sanctuary. And the joy of being with you on a day like this, the Lord's Day, and uh, seeing these young men here in their military uniform, and I'm partial to that, and maybe you'll find out after a while, but um, just love you today, and thank God for you. Thank you for having me here as your guest. I feel very honored and most privileged indeed and I'm very grateful, very, very grateful. Yep, I, uh, um, as I begin to share with you what God's put in my heart today, and before we open the Bible to put this in its rightful context, I, I was, I, I was privileged to sit at the feet of Dr. Billy Graham for 25 years and uh, be his pastor and close friend. I held his hand. Uh, on his journey into heaven, and most of you know, uh, led his entire funeral and lots of memories, lots of things. And you know, I, I uh, even to this day, you know, I, when I talk about Dr. Graham all over the world, it doesn't matter where I am, from the Middle East to the Far East, uh, Africa, Australia, when I go and preach and I'm in England, doesn't matter where you are, uh, I find people who, as soon as they find out that I'm connected in any way to uh, Dr. Graham, the influence of his life and testimony. And the reason I tell you that 
today is because I have so many memories uh, about Mr. Graham and this message is not about Mr. Graham but it's about what God has put in my heart because he would say things to me. I was with him so much. Uh, You know, through Mr. Graham, we would be with prime ministers and kings and queens and famous people, uh, politicians from the president on down. And he, he would have such a love for all people and he would always say this to me. He would say to me, Don, everyone needs Jesus. You know, what part about everyone do we miss? You know, I remember standing, see these guys in uniform here, but I, you know, I remember marching when Mr. Graham laid in state and marching his coffin up the steps of the rotunda of the capital of the United States, escorted by the most incredible honor guard I've ever been associated with. Slow time with the world watching millions of people. That ceremonial knock on the door and when that door opened, I led the whole thing. And there were the President of the United States and every member of the Senate and Congress every member of the justices of the Supreme Court of the United, the powerhouse of the world. And as I stood there next to the Senate Majority Leader, Senator McConnell, I thought of what Mr. Graham said. He said to me many times, he said, Don, two things really matter, that everybody knows Jesus. But he said the second thing is that those who claim to know him know that they know him. You know, I've been a pastor for, you know, 48 years. I've had the privilege of being, look at these wonderful young people, man, just love you guys. Don't know how many times I've asked people this question. Do you know that when you die, if Jesus were to come again, that you're going to be taken by the angels to be seated at the feast table of the king? Do you know how many people answer it like I say, man, I sure hope so. I bet that's someone here today. I've had other people who say, have no idea, but I guess I'll find out one of these days. You want me to put that in Southern? I'm fixing to find out one of these days. (laughs) See that word up there, totally secure? What if I told you today the Bible doesn't teach us that we can hope so. The Bible says you can know so. (laughs) See, if, if you don't know so and you just hope so, you're going to be tempted 
to do things in order to get into heaven that are totally unnecessary. Won't get you into heaven. Like somebody might say, well, man, as long as I go to church, you know there's not one verse in the Bible that says if you go to church, you're going to heaven. So you can go to church until the cows come home. I know there are cows around you. And still not go to be with the Lord Jesus in heaven. Well, maybe if I, if I preach like Billy Graham, do you know, <laughs> this hurts me personally. There's not a single verse in the Bible that says that if you preach, you're going to heaven. Now, I wish there was, because some of you'd be in trouble. Well, if I serve my country, some people, you won't believe me, folks. I know it doesn't happen here, but I can tell you it happens in Spartanburg. Some people believe that money is the key thing. You give money, especially to missions, and you, you give money, or that's it. You just punched your ticket. Bible doesn't say that. This and this this subject was very important. Mr. Graham used to pepper me on this. I eventually I wrote a book called Totally Secure. Some of you know it's all over the world. He wrote the foreword in it, and he he would say to me, Don, over and again, because he preached to millions of people around the world, preach, share Jesus, invite people to give their lives to Christ, but those who claim to have done so. So if I was to kind of go around the audience today, I'm not going to be cheeky, okay? But if I was to go around the audience today and stop at each one of you, say, do you, are you a Christian? Do you know Jesus? What would you say? And then the next question is, if you said yes, how do you know that? Now, what does the Bible have to say about this? So I want you to open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1. Now for those who are struggling this morning, there are four Johns in the New Testament. One big John and three little Johns, right? We're going to be in the first of the little Johns, right near the book of Revelation. Love the book of Revelation, love teaching it. I've been to Israel 43 times. And I love teaching, traveling, ministering there to government people and taking people to Israel. And I love getting into the last things. And I'm watching Israel that I'm supposed was supposed to be there again. And of course, everything was postponed because of this terrible war going on. But I'm telling you, folks, John here has something to say to us. So let's just focus in on one verse just to introduce this subject on being totally secure, how to know that you know that you know that you know that you belong to Jesus. 1 John chapter 1, and I'm just going to show you verse 4. This is what he says, we write this to make our joy complete. We write this to make our joy. Who wrote 1 John? The Holy Spirit did, God did. This is God's word. This word doesn't contain the word of God, it is the word of God. 
Every word from Genesis to Revelation. God wrote this. And we wrote this. Who's we? John wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. With what purpose? To make my joy complete. The word joy there is everything that I am in Christ. And the word complete really has its root word in finished, to make it whole. Remember what Jesus said on the cross when he hung upon the cross? He said, it is finished. It's done. Everything necessary to get you, sinner, into the presence of a holy and a righteous God for all time and eternity, it's done. Everything necessary, the price has been paid in full. Everything's done. Nothing more needs to be done. You don't have to add anything to what Jesus Christ has done. And John here is saying, I'm about to write some things to show you how totally secure you are. To make your joy complete. All right, now watch this. I'm going to give you, and you've got that in writing in front of you, I'm going to give you five acid tests of your salvation. Put into our own terminology. These are five ways, according to the Bible, that God says are acid tests that affirm that you are, in fact, a child of God and that you are going to spend all time and eternity in heaven. Okay, one more word. Can I just say this before we get started? I don't always feel saved. Now, that may disappoint some of you, even though you don't know me. Do you always feel saved? <laughs> I, I don't always feel saved. I don't roll out of my bed every morning saying, whoop-de-doo, look at me. I, I'm, I, don't, I mean, I wish I could tell you I'm a big cuddle bunny, but not all the time. I don't always feel saved. Seriously. Can you imagine going up to somebody whose son or daughter just died and saying to him, excuse me, do you feel saved right now? I think Brother Kevin would identify with it. Love the praise team, brother, and the worship here is just rich, man. Thank you. You know, I don't, I don't want to get on his toes because I maybe you do this, maybe you don't, so I have no idea, but... I've always, it's always been interesting when I've heard worship leaders and preachers get up in church and say, everybody stand up and smile. You know why I've always wondered about that? Now, I know we're supposed to smile, but sometimes folks, people have got a good reason not to smile, you know. In our world, People with addictions, people who've suffered loss, people get laid off from jobs. What about health? 
And I can tell you people right now that have been diagnosed with cancer and I've got someone right now that I'm praying for. I guarantee you, I, I don't know how they can feel saved right now after what they've just heard. Any questions? So if I don't always feel saved and I'm a human being and I'm living this life, I get toothaches and headaches like anybody else does. How do I know that I'm saved? And besides, I'm living in this battering world where everybody's got an opinion. Gosh, man alive. The court of public opinion about God today is rampant. The court of public opinion. This says that, this says that, this says this, this, who, that. Well, I wanted to. So here's what we're going to do. Very simply, okay? I'm going to take us through five, just five of them. Acid tests of our salvation, and we're going to take it to Scripture. So number one, how do you know that you're saved? If you are sensitive to sin, we know that we're saved, that we're Christians, that we're going to heaven, if in fact we are sensitive to sin. 1 John chapter 1, let's just look at verse 8. Verse 8, Bible says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now that's a conditional clause. A lot of English students here. If it's dependent on, if in fact you, Don Wilton, you claim to be without sin, two things are the consequence. Number one, you deceive yourself. Number two, the truth is not in you. Now, who's the truth? Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. If you don't have Jesus living in you, you're not saved. And God's word here says, I want to make your joy complete. I want to show you how you are totally secure. And the starting point has to do with your attitude towards sin. Are you sensitive to sin? Do you know what that means? Does sin bother you? I want you to listen carefully, folks. Does sin bother you? If you claim to be without sin, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. What does it mean to be bothered by sin? As a believer, you and I are indwelt by the power and the presence of the Spirit of God. 
What is the job of the Spirit of God? To convict us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. If there is no conviction concerning sin in my life, I'm not a Christian. I've just explained the world, folks. What's all the shock? Why are we so shocked at the behavior of so much in the world who don't know Jesus? I just explained it to you. I found myself, I'm, how can they believe that? I just explained it. How can they do that? I just explained it. And I didn't. God did. What's the difference between a believer and an unbeliever? It all centers in sin. Many years ago, I preached in Pensacola, Florida. And this always sticks in my mind. I've used this illustration a thousand times. Great revival. And on Sunday morning, God poured out his spirit. A lot of people responded. And I was there and I came down to help. And there was one man there, probably in his mid-40s or so. I had the great privilege. I was professor at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary and I gone up to Pensacola, I was the guest and I just had the great privilege of this man came and I, I walked down at you and I said, what? He said, man, I want to give my heart to Jesus and I just led him to the Lord. No greater joy in the whole world. And he toddled off and went back home. Monday night, same revival series, when I began the invitation, Brother Craig, <laughs> blow me down. He stepped out of the balcony, came, I looked up there, I said, that's that same man. What is it, what is it, go back to your seat. I said, this is, don't do this, this is going to embarrass me. Everybody knew that I had probably led him to the Lord. I obviously didn't do it properly, you know, whatever that is. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, he didn't need to come down here again. I mean, he gave his life to Jesus and so... I said to myself, forget everybody else. I'm intercepting like a jet fighter pub. I'm in there like that. I'm up there to shake his hand and welcome him. I knew he was coming to give the church $250,000 or something. I said to him, man, hey, what can I, how, you, you know, didn't you give your heart to Jesus? He said, yeah, preacher, but that's not the reason I came. I said, oh, man. What, why did you come? He said, you know, what you don't know about me is 10 years ago, I went through the worst divorce any person could go through. It was very unhappy. This was just ugly. He said, when I ended up being divorced, it was so hurtful. I made a decision that if that's what it means to be married, I don't ever want to be married again. He said, the problem is, three or four years ago, I ran into this young lady here in Pensacola and fell in love with her. He said, to my great relief, she had also been divorced, and she didn't want to get married either. <laughs> I got this, man. Anyone guess what they decided to do? 
I wonder, anyone have any idea what they decide to do? I mean, like this is a big puzzle. Yeah, they just moved in together. They just shacked up together. Forget marriage, man. Are you so juvenile? Are you out of date or something? Have you lost your mind? Are you keeping up? Are you, are you so old-fashioned you still believe in that? Are you kind of like stupid or something? Huh? Get married? So they did. They moved in together. He said to me, Pastor, he said, uh, yesterday morning I came to church almost by mistake, gave my heart to Jesus. And he said, I went back home. And when I walked into the living room, this beautiful lady that I lived with was sitting there and I love her. And he said, all of a sudden, it just hit me that what we were doing was wrong in the eyes of God. He said, just weirdest thing in the world. He said, I knelt down. I said, well, brother, what happened, man? Why are you coming down? He said, well, he said, you'll never guess what happened. After I spoke to her, she ended up giving her heart to Jesus. I said, man, that's wonderful. He said, yeah. And she's in the balcony, and as soon as I turn around, she's coming down the aisle to tell you the whole story herself. And four months later, guys, I went and was at a beautiful wedding of this couple that had been forgiven by Jesus and came into a fresh relationship with them, and they've never been the same since. How are you doing, brother? Huh? Where were you last night? Who did you hang around with? Huh? What's coming out of your mouth? Does it bother you? How do you talk to your wife? Anyone here blasphemer? Anyone here blaspheme? You say, Pastor, what's blasphemy? It's the use of God's name in any way other than to worship him. Anyone here who feel the need to tell God how hot it is in the middle of summer? You use Jesus' name to describe your special play at the ball game? And does it bother you? If it doesn't bother you, you don't know Jesus, man. 
not according to what God says. By the way, God doesn't get over things. And he doesn't make exceptions. Hard for us to understand. God is holy and righteous. How how do I know? It's not that I don't sin, because I do. It's not that I don't feel tempted to sin, because I am. But it's when this happens, it just bothers me, man. There are a hundred places, you, don't, you can't convince me or impress me with some places to go and be, but when I go and I be, I'm like a, I'm like a fish out of water. I'm uncomfortable. Point number one, am I sensitive to sin? Number two, write this down. Am I submissive to God's commands? 1 John chapter two and verse three, we know that we have come to know him. How do we know that we've come to know him? How? What does the Bible say? If we obey his commands. What does that mean? And he goes on and he says, if you say you know him, but you don't do what he tells you to do. There's some, there's some tough language here, guys. God calls us a liar and then says the truth is not in us. <laughs> That's a tough one. Does that mean to say that I always do what God wants me to do? Are you kidding me? But I always want to. I'm trying to do what God wants me to do. And when I don't do what God wants me to do, it bothers me because I'm sensitive to sin. Nearly 50 years ago, when I came to the United States, in the 70s, my wife and I had just gotten married. And I called my mom and dad who lived 500 miles away. I remember that conversation. I said, Dad, not only has Jesus changed my life, but Karen and I are going to America where they drive on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> and they eat ketchup instead of tomato sauce. And they ruin a jolly good cup of tea. They put like ice in it and, and sugar and, and all stuff and it's cold and they mix it up and the queen would pitch a fit. And they play rugby with crash helmets on. I'm going to America to prepare for God to send me anywhere in the world. I'll never forget my father's answer on that phone. Son, 
You know how much mom and I love you and Karen. But if we were never to see you again in our lifetime, but we know that you're in the center of God's will, our joy as parents will be made complete. Wow. That's never left me. My mom and dad are both in heaven now. It's never left me. How do you know that you're totally secure, that you belong to Jesus? Are you submissive to God's call? Number three, am I saturated in God's love? Look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14. I love it because it's a summary of John chapter 3 and verse 16. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14. We know that we know. See, I didn't come up with this. We know that we know that we know that we have passed from death to life. We know that we've been born again. We know that we've been saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. The gift of God. We know that we are Christians. How do we know that? <laughs> it's right there. Look, because we love our brothers and sisters. Excuse me. By the way, I thought the greatest mark of being a Christian is that we give our money to missions. Didn't you? That we love all the people overseas. I just got back with my wife, preaching and teaching, got back in November, keep forgetting it's already January, just got back for six weeks preaching in the bush in Africa. There were hundreds of those people who didn't even have shoes on. Some of them hardly had any clothes on. I can't tell you even what I ate most of the time. It looked awful and tasted awful. And some of us believe, we genuinely believe that the mark of our Christian faith is inextricably bound into our passion for missions. But that's not what he says. He says, you know that you have passed from death to life because you love the brethren. Jesus put it like this. He said, by this will all people know that you belong to me, that you're my disciples. How? Because you love one another. In the church, fellow believers. You love the company of fellow Christians. You gravitate toward one another. Friends, I'm trying to be kind to you. If you've got a husband, a brother, a daughter, a wife, a friend, and you've got to beg them to come to church, change the way you pray for them. Because you never have to beg a Christian to hang around with fellow Christians. 
Never. I've had people all my ministry, man, I just cannot get him to come. Pray for his salvation. He doesn't need a church. He needs Jesus. Number four, how do we know that we belong to him? If we're filled with God's spirit. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 13, we know that we live in him and he in us. How do we know that? Because of the spirit which he has given to us. When do you receive the spirit? Instantaneous moment. By faith you repent of your sin, confess that sin to Jesus and you receive him into your heart. You receive all of God. You cannot divide God. You don't receive God the Father and God the Son. And six months later, get the Holy Spirit. You cannot divide God. And the Bible says that one of the ways in our Bible study today, the fourth way that you can know that you belong to Jesus because you're filled with God's spirit. Well, if being filled with God's spirit is a key way for me to know that I belong to Jesus, I know you know what the next question is, is how do I know I have the spirit? (laughs) And you thought you were gonna get home for lunch. We'll beat the Methodists to the restaurant, I promise you. How do you know you got the Spirit of God? If the Spirit of God in me is the very means, our study, number four means by which I know that I'm a Christian man, how do I know that I've got the Spirit of God in me? I'll give you three quick ways. Write them down. This is how you know you've got the Spirit of God in you. Number one, are you sensitive to sin? Now, some of you are going to take a little while to catch on to this. Am I sensitive to sin? Why is that a mark of the Holy Spirit? Because the Spirit of God convicts me of sin and of righteousness. I don't convict myself. Right? That's how I know that I got the Spirit, because sin bothers me. What's the second way do you suppose you know you've got the Spirit of God in you? You're submissive to God's commands, right? Why? Because without the Spirit of God, I'm going to do it just like Frank Sinatra. I'm going to do it my way. I did it my way. Come on, be honest. How many of us? That's the thing, man. I'm going to do it my way. Come on, man. Be honest with the Lord. Do it my way, man. Live my life. The believer says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because the Spirit of God compels you to do that. And by the way, God always gives us the best. He fulfills the joy of our hearts. So what's the third way that you know you've got the Spirit of God in you? I think you guys have got it already. How do I know I've got the Spirit of God in me? Because I love fellow believers 
Now, why is that so important? Can I say this here, Brother Craig? Can I tell you why that's fantastic? Because some people are jolly hard to love, right? I, who? I, excuse me. Excuse me, Malvin Hill. You know, I've never been in your beautiful church. Anyone here like to stand up and say, just because people are in this church, they all cuddle bunnies? <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to say that, but I'll guarantee you over the years, there's been at least one dipstick in this church. <laughs> I didn't say that. Craig told me to say that. <laughs> I bet there, over the history of this church, I'll guarantee you guys. So I've been pastor, man, in Mississippi, Louisiana, South Carolina, you know. Just trust me. Us, people, mm, <laughs> I mean, and if you want to really know where they are, just go to a church business meeting. Count to three and he'll stand up and volunteer himself. <laughs> there he is, old dipstick himself. All right, I'm leaving now. I'm, I'm, okay. Hey, who said everybody in the church is just easy to love? What is this, guys? What is this that we could come? Look how different we are. You ever thought about this? Whew. I mean, look at us. Old, young, up, down, this way, that way. And Jesus said by this, well, everybody know, there is never, never an excuse, ever, not on one occasion, ever in the church for Christians to get bent out of shape over anything, ever. Can't do it. No. This is not the Congress of the United States. That's the stuff. I'm telling you, man. How do I know that I belong to him? Am I, does sin bother me? Yes or no? Am I, am I just willingly submissive to God's command? Yes or no? Am I saturated in God's love? Yes or no? Am I filled with God's spirit? Yes or no? So here's the last one. Do, do I believe, do I treasure, do I trust God's word? Do I take God at his word? 1 John chapter 5 and verse 12. This is what God's word says. I didn't say this. Billy Graham didn't say this. Brother Craig didn't say this. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. Any questions? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Backsliding is very real. The prodigal son is one of the most beautiful passages. And if you look at the prodigal son, 
which I'm not preaching on right now, but it's a great question, brother. You know? And when you begin to sin against God and he moved out of his father's house, but man, it bothered him. Bothered him to the point that he even ended up in a hog pen and then he came to his senses and he went back to his father. Because once you're born into your father's house, you can never become unborn. Once you're totally secure, you cannot lose it, brother. Thank you for a great question, man. This is a fantastic thing. You know, guys, you don't know me from a bar of soap, but if you'd seen me in 1969 and 70, which is a few years before you were born, you would have seen me looking a little bit like you, excepting I had belts of ammunition, hand grenades, machine guns in my hand. I was a tank commander, first special forces, in the Angolan Civil War. Commissioned officer. You know, God has things in our lives. This room is filled with incredible heroes and veterans and people, moms and dads, young people, I mean, just think about it. There are two things that really matter. Number one, that you've given your life to Christ. Have you? Number two, that if in fact you have, have you just run the test? Have you been able to say, gosh, only by the grace of God, I am. That's what Paul said. And all of a sudden, because of God's word, you're saying, man, alive. With all the stuff that I go through every day, he's got me. I'm totally secure. Now, on the other hand, as Brother Kevin comes to prepare us, on the other hand, you've run that gamut and the Spirit of God is knocking at your heart's door. The Lord is saying to you, man, listen, you need Jesus. When I was eight years old, I grew up in KwaZulu, among the Zulu people in Africa. I was up in the mountains of Zululand as an eight-year-old. I made a decision to give my life to Christ as a little boy in boarding school in Africa. But then came all the other stuff, teenagers and military service and all the other things. I'm telling you, when I got to 2021, 20, met this beautiful young lady that loved Jesus, who's now been my wife for nearly 50 years. My duckling, the love of my life. There came a time in my life where I had to fall on my face before a holy and a righteous God and settle this issue. And I did. Been perfect since then? Mm, 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 mm. Got up to nonsense? 
Oh yeah. Ridden motorbikes all air, jumped out of airplanes, jumped off 5,000 feet up in the Swiss Alps with a parachute, done stupid things. Yeah. Love it. Caught big reds of Georgetown, South Carolina and would go back tomorrow if someone was decent enough to invite me. I love it. But I'll tell you what I love more than anything else. I know that I know that I know that Jesus Christ is my Savior. How you doing, man? So your pastor is going to come and lead us as our shepherd. Brother Kevin and the team will lead us just for a minute. We still got to beat the Methodists. Just for a minute. Number one, there are people here today, you've got a brother, sister, uncle, aunt, friend. And they've been on your heart the whole time today, haven't they? I'm going to ask you, leave your seat, come. Tell Jesus that. But tell him with a complete different perspective today through his word. I have seen God answer prayer, folks. And you have too. I just believe in it. I'm inviting you today. I'm inviting you to come today. Say, I want to give my life to Christ. I'm inviting you to come back home like the prodigal son did. Say, man, I've been in a faraway land and today I'm coming back. And you'll see your father standing there with his arms open wide, welcoming you back. He put a ring on your finger and kill the fatted calf and the celebration in heaven will take place because you've come home. Any further questions? This is what God does for us folks. It's not about Don, it's about Jesus. And I love it, man. Let's stand together, you come, as we sing this morning, you come.